I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's there. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Everton, Wednesday, 1st of March, 2023. Kickoff, 7:45 p.m. The contents: captain's notes around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature, Jakub Kivio, minutes detail, community voice, academy young gun, Kamani Ryan, around the academy, women, visitors, Everton. Match action: Arsenal versus Manchester City. Match action: Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Match action: Leicester City versus Arsenal and teams. Martin Odegaard, captain's notes. We started the Aston Villa game a bit slowly. The first half was not really great from us, to be honest. But we came in at half-time, had a good talk between us, and we decided to change it up a bit and to show a different side in the second half. In the end, that's what we did really well, and it was a good second half from us. We played well, we pushed hard for the win, created some big chances, including one for me that I missed, and in the end, we got the win in the last minute. So I think the way we won it as well was very special, because we kept on going until the end. We kept on believing until the end, and it all paid off when we got there with the late goals. As I said, we had gone into that game at Villa Park without winning the last three matches in the league. So of course, when you concede twice in the first half, you're under pressure. So to come back from that position shows the mentality we have in the team. It shows how much we believe in what we're doing to never stop, even in difficult moments. It definitely paid off in the end. Overall, I was pleased with my performance especially in the second half, and I created a few chances. But when you miss a chance like I did, it can be the main focus for you. So I was so, so glad that we were able to get that win. If that miss had cost us the win, I would have felt so bad. So when Jorginho got that goal at the end, I was very relieved and so happy. Then we had to follow it up at Leicester at the weekend. I was really happy to give Zinni the armband for the game. I knew that the Premier League were paying respects to Ukraine at the weekend's matches, with all captains wearing special armbands. So we discussed it a bit in the dressing room with other players. Then I went to the manager to ask him if we should give it to Zinni. He thought it was a good idea. 
Then on the day of the game I spoke to Alex to see if he was comfortable doing it. It was just a small thing to show him some support, because I know how difficult it's been for him recently, the whole situation. I know how much he cares about his country, and about everything that's happening there at the moment. So it was just to be there for him, to support him and to show him that the whole team is there for him and behind him. I think he was a bit surprised. I don't think he expected it, and he told me also he was captain when it first happened while he was at City. I think he appreciated it and was very happy to have the armband. Some things are bigger than football, and what's been going on there has been just terrible. So it's a good thing to show him that this team is here for him and everyone supports him. That's what you should do when you're a team. You should be there for each other. As for the game on Saturday, I think we did really well defensively against Leicester. They didn't create anything all afternoon. We didn't create many chances ourselves either, but we were really unlucky with the first goal that was ruled out for a foul. In the end, Martinelli got that huge goal for us and we deserved to win because of the control we had. But at the same time, we can still do better in attack and create more moments in the final third. So there are still some things to improve on for us, but we're happy with another win in a difficult place away from home. We talked before the game that it was about time we had a clean sheet again, and you could see the whole team was determined to do that. That was from everyone, including how well the attacking players tracked back. How everyone defended was brilliant. So we want to keep the good things from that game but also improve on that performance tonight. It's less than a month since we last played Everton, and what we learned from that game is that every single team in this league is difficult to play against. They played really well against us in that game, defended very deep, and when they attacked our box they put crosses in as soon as possible. They're a very direct team, so we have to expect a lot of the same things tonight. We also learned that we have to be at our very best in each game we play, and the last time we faced them we weren't so it's up to us to put that right this evening. We don't look at their league position because we know they got a result against Manchester City recently and they beat us, so that tells you they have a lot of quality. They're effective when they attack, they're good on set pieces as well, and if you're not ready for them, they will punish you. This is our game in hand that people have mentioned for a long time now, and we need to make the most of it, but also I think we can't be thinking of it like that. We have to keep the same focus that we have done for every game. Just go into each game wanting to win it and not think about what it does for the league table. At the end, it's still three more points that we're going for and whatever it does to the table, our mindset has to be just on winning this next game. So for us, it's a normal one. We want to get the win and keep the run going. It's great to be back with our supporters again tonight. Thanks to all of you who gave us such great support in our last two away games. Get behind us again tonight and enjoy the game. Sustainability. The cycle continues. Recently, we've been showing you impressive three-metre-tall neem trees that were planted towards the end of 2021 in our first year growing the Arsenal Forest. But we don't just tend to the trees we've planted. We are constantly growing saplings in our nursery and planting them out on our site when they are big enough. In the programme, there is a recent picture in the nursery of the women workers preparing the saplings, which will be ready to plant out in April to May time. Remember, we employ 60 women on the site, enabling them to educate and feed their children and even set up small businesses 
the approximately 20 football pitch size plot that we bought at the start of the 2021-22 season is getting quite full now. But you'll be pleased to know that we have secured more land from local elders to continue to grow the forest. Land that has been left unused due to the ravages of charcoal production. So the cycle never stops over in Boré and the carbon never stops being drawn out of the atmosphere into our forest, compensating for the carbon generated in the production of this programme. Lent a hand. Lent, the time many people traditionally give up the things they enjoy. Chocolate, alcohol, sweets and even Facebook are all the go-to items that people try to survive without for 40 days. But maybe this year there can be a new challenge. For 2023, we could try to give up something that has an adverse environmental effect as well. Now, giving up driving a car may be pushing it a little too far, but there are lots of different things to give up. Meat. Although many people love meat, there have been numerous studies to say that the meat industry is detrimental to the environment. Now we have plenty of different food options to help you avoid meat whilst you are at Emirates Stadium. Short car journeys. Very short journeys are too short to warm up the car's engine. It'll be running inefficiently, burning more fuel and creating more pollution. At these low running temperatures, your catalytic converter won't have kicked in either, which again means more pollution. At Arsenal, we are big fans of cycling and the numerous benefits that it brings. Mental and physical health have been shown to benefit from exercise. Park your bike in the matchday bike park on Drayton Park and enjoy the spring air. Bottled water. Single-use plastics are everywhere and we are now seeing them turn up in the most remote parts of the planet. 7.7 billion plastic bottles are bought in the UK every year. We have water dispensers at Emirates Stadiums to help you. Baths. Showering can save up to 50% of water. It also uses less power to heat the water. What's more, turning the tap off whilst brushing your teeth saves around 12 litres of water every time. Make a small change and hopefully you will succeed. Tell us what you've done via email at program at arsenal.co.uk. We'll donate 25 trees in our Arsenal Forest to the best ones. Net Zero Heroes Every issue this season we have highlighted how different members of the Arsenal women's squad have been making efforts to live more sustainably. This issue we hear from someone who has played 178 games for the Gunners, scoring 29 goals and over the last eight years has become a very firm fan's favourite. Charismatic Katie McCabe has a very obvious will to win and she's also winning with her sustainability efforts too. We all need to make small efforts and one of the small things I do is make every effort to use reusable cups whenever possible, whether that's with hot drinks or using reusable water bottles. Good stuff, Katie. Leading from the front as always in the fight to make the world a better place. Latest lineup. In the programme is a photograph of the Boré Lions in their very latest team group pose, prior to their home match in Boré against Adu FC the weekend before last. 
The Lions are supported by Arsenal with provision of kit and equipment, as are the newly formed women's team, Bore Lionesses. Both teams have numerous squad members who work in the Arsenal Forest, making them doubly proud to represent the Gunners when they take to the pitch or join together for training sessions. You'll be pleased to know that the Lions came through a tightly fought match against Adu with a 2-1 win as their successful season continues in the red and white. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. More than 20,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction. And also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Around Arsenal, 200 up for Mikel. Gabriel Martinelli's goal against Leicester on Saturday was a special one for Mikel Arteta in more ways than one. Not only did it prove decisive in the match, winning all three points for the team, but it was also our 200th Premier League goal while Mikel has been manager. The first goal in Mikel's tenure was scored by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the one-all draw away to Bournemouth on Boxing Day 2019. The double century was brought up in Arteta's 120th game in the competition at a rate of 1.66 goals per game. Bukayo Saka is the leading scorer in league games under the boss, with 26. He recently overtook Aubameyang, 25. Alexandra Lacazette is next with 22. Gabriel Martinelli has now moved on to 19, and Martin Odegaard is next with 16. In that same period, we've conceded 131 goals in the league. Throughout Arteta's reign, we've scored 280 goals in all competitions. We also brought up a couple of other landmarks in the victory. It was our 10th success on the road in the Premier League this season, the fastest we've reached 10 away victories in any league campaign in our history, 13 matches. Aaron Ramsdale also kept his 8th clean sheet in a Premier League away game this season, the most by any keeper for us since Jons Lehmann also kept 8 in the unbeaten 2003-2004 season. It was a quiet afternoon for our keeper though, he didn't have a single save to make, as we restricted the Foxes to just one shot, off target, all afternoon, their fewest in a game since Opta stats began in 2003-2004. Ref watch. Tonight's referee is Michael Oliver from Northumberland. It's the fourth Arsenal match this season that Michael has been the man in the middle, and he has a great record. He officiated our 3-2 home win over Liverpool in October followed by the 1-0 away win for the Gunners at Stamford Bridge the following month. And most recently, he was in charge of the 3-1 home win over West Ham on Boxing Day. This is Michael's 13th campaign on the Premier League list, 
and this season he's handed out 62 yellow cards in 19 Premier League games, issuing one red card. Arsenal to play Sporting in last 16. Following last Friday's Europa League draw, we'll play Sporting CP in the last 16 of the Europa League. The first leg takes place in Lisbon a week tomorrow, Thursday, March 9th, with a 5.45pm kickoff. The second leg will be held at Emirates Stadium a week later, on Thursday, March 16th, with an 8pm kickoff. Arsenal's record against Sporting is good. We played them in the Europa League group stages in season 2018-2019, drawing 0-0 at home and winning 1-0 in Portugal. We also played them in our triumphant Fair Cups campaign of 1969-1970, winning 3-0 at home and drawing 0-0 in Lisbon. Thinking of Ukraine The world of football has been thinking of Ukraine, as the first anniversary of the Russian invasion was commemorated on Friday, February 24th. It's hard for anyone to imagine the terrible physical and emotional journeys the people of Ukraine have endured over the last 12 months. And that includes, of course, our own Alexandra Zinchenko and his Ukraine teammate Vitaly Mikolenko, who plays for tonight's guests, Everton. On Saturday, club captain Martin Odegaard recognised the first anniversary of the war and lent his captain's armband, in the colours of the Ukraine flag, to Zinni for our win at Leicester. After the game, Mikel Arteta explained that the decision was led by the players themselves to show unity with our Ukrainian defender. It was great because it was an initiative from the players, the boss explained. Martin came to me yesterday and they wanted to have that gesture with him. Today we wanted to win for him, for his loved ones and for all the Ukrainian people that I think has inspired the world with that fighting spirit and with the togetherness they showed as a country. If we can add some happiness today to them and reflecting on who Alex is for us, it was a good opportunity, so I'm delighted to dedicate that win to them. As well as the armbands worn by both captains at the King Power, Mikel Arteta and Brendan Rodgers opted to wear football stands together badges, handmade by Ukrainian children, temporarily displaced by the invasion. Mo signs new contract. Midfielder Mohamed Elneny has extended his contract with the club. Mo, 30, a hugely respected and experienced member of the squad, is currently our longest serving player, having joined us from Swiss side Basel back in January 2016. Our Egypt international has made 155 appearances for us in all competitions, scoring six and assisting ten times during his seven years with the club. I'm so happy. I love the club and our supporters so much and I'll give everything to help us be the best we can be every day I'm here, Mo told Arsenal Media. On being our longest serving player, Mo said, It makes me so proud to represent this amazing club since 2016. The spirit and togetherness we have in our squad right now is so positive and I'm so happy I've extended my contract. Under-18s into Youth Cup semis. Congratulations to Jack Wilshere's under-18s who triumphed over Cambridge United at Emirates Stadium last Thursday to claim a place in the FA Youth Cup semi-final. In a hard-fought contest, Against the team who'd beaten Chelsea on their run to the last eight, the young Gunners triumphed courtesy of an injury-time strike by Mikhail Rozhiak, following earlier goals from Ethan Nuaneri and Amario Cozier-Jubri. The lads will now play either Manchester City or Oxford United in the final four, with the match also taking place at Emirates Stadium. An in-depth report will appear in the Bournemouth programme. NMR shirts for young role models 
The No More Red initiative was launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who've made a positive difference. And at this evening's game, twin brothers Hassan and Hussein will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red shirts. Hassan and Hussein are 15-year-old twin brothers who progressed through youth engagement programmes at Finsbury Park Mosque and are on their way to becoming young community leaders. Hassan and Hussein initially started out volunteering in the mosque's local initiatives, such as their homeless kitchen and street iftar, and since then have taken it upon themselves to make a difference in their local area. After taking part in conflict resolution workshops with the Ben Kinsella Trust and Head Held High, the brothers began helping local young people engage in the mosque's recreational activities programme, where they could spend their time in a safe place and socialise with others. The mosque also provides support to young people for issues that they may be experiencing, such as unemployment, substance dependency and homelessness. Hassan and Hussein have committed a significant amount of hours to helping the community and are fantastic role models for local people in Islington. Do you want to be part of Arsenal? Now's the chance for you to join our world-class retail and stadium tours teams. We're recruiting casual workers for our stadium tours and retail stores teams for the 23-24 season. These roles will provide amazing opportunities to help our supporters engage with our club. Our retail stores sell a wide range of Arsenal-related products and act as a hub of supporter activity throughout the football season, especially on a match day. Our stadium tours and museum experience provide self-guided audio tours into the heart of the Emirates Stadium to approximately 200,000 supporters every year, as well as offering VIP tours led by a variety of Arsenal legends. If the below sounds like you, we'd love to hear from you. You have a real passion for delivering amazing experiences for our supporters. You're friendly, love talking to people and can work as part of a team. You can commit to working across weekends and peak holiday periods. Please scan the QR code to apply or visit careers.arsenal.com. John Motson. Everyone at Arsenal was deeply saddened at the recent death of legendary commentator John Motson. Motti was a regular at Highbury and Emirates over five decades, providing listeners and viewers with wonderfully evocative commentaries that conveyed both his forensic knowledge of the game and deep love for football. He was always a warm, friendly presence in the media lounge, talking football with other journalists, young and old, about everything in the game, including the thousands of matches and players he'd watched over the years. John's last official Arsenal appointment came on October 28, 2017, during his last season before retirement. That afternoon, he commentated on a 2-1 win over Swansea City, though after hanging up his mic, Motti continued to keep in touch with the club through the Arsenal staff whose company he'd shared over the years. He'll be greatly missed by many at the club. One of the highlights of his Arsenal appointments came on August 25, 2004, when he commentated on our 3-0 win over Blackburn Rovers which was a 43rd consecutive top-flight match unbeaten, beating the previous record set by Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest in the late 1970s. Motti presented his superb commentary notes for that match to the club, which will feature in full in the Bournemouth programme this weekend. Being the voice of that match day was just one small part of Motti's huge footballing legacy.
Our thoughts are with his family and close friends at this very difficult time. Notice board. Totalizer, £550. Alan Mumford. An Arsenal supporter all his life is turning 90. His first match was a wartime game in 1945. We welcome him to the stadium this evening. Belated happy 18th birthday, Cassia. Behind you, your memories. Before you, your dreams. Around you, all who love you. Within you, all you need. Love mummy, daddy and family. Bobby King. Have a happy 17th birthday. Love from all your family. Neve Nelson. Have a great time back at Emirates. Love Ninny, Grimps, Mum, Dad, Lauren and Leo. Happy birthday, Ash. And happy wedding anniversary too. And wishing our dad, the biggest gooner of all, a happy birthday. Mira and family. Happy birthday, Jell. I'm still watching the Arsenal. All my love, Dad. Happy 60th birthday, Steve. Here's to many more years of watching the Arsenal. Love, Annette, Hannah and Rose. Uncle Mickey. My hero, forever a gooner. Happy birthday, love Liam. Happy 30th birthday, Hal West Belbass. Oliver McCloskey. Happy 10th birthday, love mum, dad and brother Jack. Happy birthday, Sean Egan. Love always, Nicola. Harry. Hope you enjoy the game. Have a great time. Love, Ellie and Harry. Happy birthday, Mum Deep. And congratulations to the newlyweds, Mr and Mrs Hansra. Love from the DW boys. Wishing James Sheridan a very happy ninth birthday. Love Mummy, Monty, Dashie and all his friends. Sweet 16 today, Oscar. We could not be prouder of you. Follow your dream. Love Mum, Dad and Brownie. Congratulations, Catherine Jones, on your 30th birthday. Still Laguna. Love Mum, Dad, Ollie, Linda, Ray and Irene. Wishing Adam Harris a happy birthday. Hope you have a wonderful day watching Arsenal win. Love, Stephen and family. Arsenal remembers. Mark Nicholl, July 17th, 1960 to July 17th, 2022. First game versus Everton at home, 1967. Last game versus Everton at home, 2022. So many games up and down the country and across Europe with family and friends. A truly beloved husband, dad, granddad, son, brother and friend. Love Pauline, Simon, Sarah, Paul, Nancy, Ollie, Jenny, Joshua, Olivia, Aoife, Arthur, Sophie and Rua. Come on you gooners. David Stanley Hancock, a devout supporter of Arsenal Football Club, who asked for so little but gave so much. Second to his family, this club was his true love. In the everlasting words of Dave, up the gunners. Kieran Cheevers, recently departed, very sadly and unexpectedly. Arsenal through and through, Kieran was much loved and will be greatly missed. Clara de Souza, recently passed away, age 90. A truly wonderful lady, loved the Arsenal and will be sadly missed by her family and friends. Joan Bailey, a lifelong fan who went to Arsenal matches when she was a youngster with her dad. She has passed away now at 90 years old. Such a strong Arsenal family. Her dad's ashes were scattered at Highbury. William Bill Potickery, June 23, 1927 to January 16, 2023. Lifelong supporter who never missed a TV game and was ecstatic thinking Arsenal have their best chance of a Premier League trophy since 2003-2004. Survived by his extensive family and will be sorely missed. David Dye Edwards. 
fanatical supporter who sadly passed away aged 60 under tragic circumstances, travelled many times on his own from West Wales to support the mighty Gooners. He'll be greatly missed by all his friends and family. Paul O'Toole A lifelong fan who travelled everywhere to support his beloved Arsenal. From Wembley wins to the lows of Paris, he's left behind a blueprint of how to support the club and will forever be remembered. Tonight's mascot A big Arsenal welcome to tonight's mascot, Max, who is from Shenley in Hertfordshire and will be leading out the Gunners with Martin Odegaard tonight. Have a brilliant day, Max. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Bournemouth, Premier League. Saturday, March 4th, kick-off 3pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Canon, Red and JG members via the ticket exchange service up until 12pm on Saturday, March 4th. Arsenal vs Sporting CP, Europa League. Thursday, March 16th, kick-off 8pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Canon, Red and JG members via the ticket exchange service until 5pm on Thursday, March 16th. Arsenal vs Crystal Palace, Premier League. Sunday, March 19th, kick-off 2pm. Tickets are on sale to Silver, Canon, Red and Junior Gunner members. Arsenal vs Leeds United, Premier League. Saturday, April 1st, kick-off 3pm. Tickets went on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members today via the ticket exchange service up until 12pm on Saturday, April 1st. Away tickets. Sporting CP vs Arsenal. Europa League. Estadio Jose Alvalade. Thursday, March 9th, kick-off 5.45pm. Tickets for this match went on sale to away scheme, platinum, gold and travel club members with 20 plus away points today. Fulham vs Arsenal, Premier League, Craven Cottage. Sunday, March 12th, kick-off 2pm. This fixture sold out to Platinum Gold and Travel Club members with 40-plus away points. Liverpool vs Arsenal, Premier League, Anfield. Sunday, April 4th, kick-off 4.30pm. Please visit arsenal.com for the details of the different sales phases for this fixture. Player feature. Inspirational Kivio. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Jakub Kivio only turned 23 in February, but such is the young defender's will to make it to the very top. He has already played in four different countries en route to arriving at Arsenal. Jakub's journey to North London was a unique one. While still only 16, he left his hometown club, GKS Tichy, to join Anderlecht in Belgium. The move, which saw the then teenager head some 750 miles east, was an early indication of just how determined Jakub and his family were to forge a successful career in football. My family are extremely important, the most important thing to me, because they raised me. Jakub, who named Sergio Ramos as his main football-related inspiration, tells us, I think my dad has been really good for my career. He even shut down his company in Poland when I was 16 so that he could go with me to Belgium. My family really taught me the value of working hard. Without hard work, your dreams won't come true. When it comes to football, 
There are certain sacrifices you have to make, but I don't think there has been a time when I didn't want to play. Because if I didn't feel like going to training, or I was tired, or there was another reason, then I'd think to myself that I have to go and work hard so that I can get better. My dad inspired my love of football. He took me to my first training session. When I was younger, I went to his games. He played amateur football with friends. He used to take me to his games so I could then watch him play. He is my inspiration. My family have been vital to my career from the start right up until now, as have my friends. I have friends that support me, and they do so with all their hearts. I know they watch my games too. I love it when they have the chance to come to a game and cheer me on from the stands. Before I moved to Arsenal, I spoke at length with my family, as well as with my agent and my girlfriend. We met up together a few times to talk everything through so that it wasn't just me who made the decision, but everyone together. I wanted to know what everyone in my family thought about this move. The process was similar when, after two years with Anderlecht, Jakob transferred to Slovak top-flight side FK Zelaziani Podbrazova, where he took his first steps in senior football. While his side were ultimately relegated, finishing bottom of the Fortuna Liga relegation group, Jakob's calm approach and technical ability was catching the eye. It wasn't long before he was on the move again, this time joining MSK Zelina, one of Slovakia's most prestigious clubs. We saw potential in him, and particularly because he was left-footed, a member of Zelina's management team told BBC Sport recently. Those are precious types of centre-backs. He has enormous talent, so we worked hard to get him and it helped as Pobrezova got relegated. He became a leader in the dressing room. Sometimes he had the captain's armband. He is a friendly guy without any conflicts, and he focuses on football. He is very calm, but also goes into challenges, and he is not stressed at all. In tough situations, he can find solutions. Those solutions help Zelina to secure second and fourth place finishes during Jakob's two years with the club while they also reached the Slovak Cup final. We lost that match to Slovan Bratislava, Jakob recalls. We gave a very good account of ourselves, though. We had a player sent off after around 25 minutes, but I scored soon after. They equalised after an hour, and in the end Vladimir Weiss scored the winning goal for them in extra time. We had one less player, but we were able to go toe-to-toe against one of Slovakia's best sides. Jakob was beginning to fulfil his vast potential, and clubs were continuing to take notice of him. At the end of the summer 2021 transfer window, Syria came calling and he joined Spezia. As no stranger to new leagues and cultures, Jakob made serene progress to life in Italy, both on the pitch and off it. His experiences across Europe were helping to shape the promising defender's career. Off the pitch, I felt good in Italy, in Lerici, Jakob smiles. I was based in that area when I played for Spezia. The weather is good in Italy. The views are beautiful. You've got the beach too. After a tough training session, I'd go down to the beach and relax by the sea. I've worked with so many different coaches. I'm pleased that I've been able to learn something new from every coach I've worked with and that I've taken on board every conversation and piece of advice. So, there isn't one particular coach that sticks out. 
To a certain extent, every one of my coaches has contributed to my success. I take on board all the little tips my teammates give me, and it's nice they try to help me on the pitch. I'm open to those kinds of things. I try to take in every piece of advice from a coach, player, someone from the club, and pay attention. There were different rituals at different clubs. In Slovakia, for example, there was always music, and it was loud in the dressing room before a game in order to in order to motivate you for the match. In Italy, it was a little different. If players listened to music, it was with their headphones on. I prefer listening to music to get myself ready. I have a different mindset before a game, and I prefer to be fired up rather than nice and calm. His preparation was clearly working. Spezia retained their place in Syria, with eye-catching wins at Napoli and AC Milan among the highlights of a solid season. Jakob had impressed once more, this time to the extent that he was rewarded with a senior international debut when Poland travelled to the Netherlands in the UEFA Nations League in June 2020. He'd subsequently keep his place in the national team and was a virtual ever-present at the World Cup as his country reached the knockout stage for the first time since 1986. Soon after that tournament, Jakob secured his transfer to Arsenal. So, what attracted him to the club? Well, there were lots of reasons, he explains. The league, for one. I knew Arsenal were a huge club and it'd be a big challenge for me. But ultimately, you have to rise to these immense challenges. Arsenal are a great club. That was apparent when I saw the training complex, the stadium. Pretty much everything off the pitch is top quality. Also, the fans. For me, that's something very important. If you're playing at home or on the road and you hear your fans chanting, it really energises and inspires you to give even more. It also puts fatigue or other things to the back of your mind. So it's crucial for me that the fans are with you and they support you as well as they do here. I go into every game with the mindset that I want to win. I think nobody ever likes losing. However, I'm somebody who will do everything to win every game, and I'll fight and I'll fight until the very end. Minute Detail Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Tonight we're looking at five more, including a Champions League clincher ten years ago. Granite Xhaka, Crystal Palace 2, Arsenal 2, October 28, 2018. Arsenal Premier League goals in the 51st minute, 15. The angle was against him, but Granite Xhaka's power and precision was such that he was able to arrow this unforgettable free kick into the top corner. The kick was awarded on the right-hand edge of the box, usually crossing territory for most set pieces. But our midfielder had other ideas. He wound up his powerful left foot and picked out the top corner, over the wall and across the keeper, to level up this London derby at one all. It was the only place he could have squeezed the ball in, but the speed at which he struck it gave Wayne Hennessy no chance in the Palace goal. Laurent Koscielny Newcastle United 0, Arsenal 1 May 19, 2013 Arsenal Premier League goals in the 52nd minute, 18. 
The goal that assured Champions League football on the final day of the 2012-2013 season. It was always going to be a nervy affair at St James's Park, knowing that any slip-up could be capitalised on by Tottenham, who needed to better our results to pip us to fourth place. And it was a close-run thing throughout the afternoon. The only goal came early in the second half. Theo Walcott sent in a free kick from the right, which Lucas Podolski flicked on into the danger area. Five yards from goal, Laurent Koscielny acrobatically met the ball on the volley, diverting it past Steve Harper. Tottenham did win their game late on against Sunderland, meaning Koscielny's 52nd-minute goal was crucial. The second season in a row the defender came up trumps on the final day. And so we sealed our 16th consecutive Champions League qualification, a prospect that had looked bleak as recently as March, when we trailed Spurs by seven points. This goal also ensured we finished above our North London rivals for the 18th season in a row. Aaron Ramsey Norwich City nil, Arsenal 2 May 11, 2014 Arsenal Premier League goals in the 53rd minute, 25 Our top four place was already assured going into the final day, and we had an FA Cup final to look forward to the following week, while the hosts were all but confirmed as relegated. So this game seemed to be lacking in a certain luster. That was until Aaron Ramsey broke the deadlock with this thumping volley. Six days after this game, Ramsey would cap a superb individual season with the winning goal in the FA Cup final, set up by Olivier Giroud. And the two warmed up for Wembley by combining well at Carrow Road. The Frenchman took the ball just inside the top left-hand corner of the penalty area before standing up a deep cross to Ramsey. The Welshman adjusted his body shape, watched the flight of the cross the whole way, then smashed a right-footed volley back across goal and into the opposite top corner. Nicholas Bentner Arsenal 1, Liverpool 1 April 5, 2008 Arsenal Premier League goals in the 54th minute, 21 A game sandwiched between the two legs of the Champions League quarter-final with Liverpool, this was still an important match in its own right, as we tried to hunt down Manchester United at the top of the table. Peter Crouch put the visitors ahead late in the first half, but Nicholas Bentner powered in a header of his own to earn a point. Cesc Fabregas curled in a free kick, and with Liverpool keeper Pepe Reina rooted to his line, Bentner rose to power home from close range. It was only the third league goal the striker, still just 20 years old at the time, had netted for the Gunners, but he was starting to carve a reputation as a real threat in the air from set pieces. Olivier Giroud Arsenal 3, West Ham 1 April 15, 2014 Arsenal Premier League goals in the 55th minute, 20 A striker known more for his dangerous left foot, this was one of the best goals Olivier Giroud scored with his right, but he needed his favoured left boot to set it up. Thomas Vermaelen floated a long ball over the defence towards Giroud on the edge of the six-yard box, where he was tightly marked by two Hammers defenders. The Frenchman cushioned the ball perfectly with his left, killing it dead, and allowing him to smash home with his other foot, beating Adrian at the near post with the speed and power of the shot. Olivier told us, Above the fact that it's a nice goal, it was a very important one because we needed to win this game to stay at the top. It was a decisive one. It's a long ball from Thomas. I had a big duel with Carroll. I think he thought I'd jump with him, but I took a great first touch, and then it was easier to finish with my right foot. 
which is a bit rare, but I can use it sometimes and put it between the keeper's legs. It might be some of my best control. Community Voice Project Arsenal Bowls Established 1985 Participants since starting 2000 Weekly participants 50 to 60 Sessions Eight venues throughout Islington Including the Arsenal Hub Fridays 10 to 12 Available to Local participants who are keen to play sport And forge new friendships Local participants who are keen to play sport and forge new friendships. More information. Mark Antoniewicz at mantoniewicz at arsenal.co.uk Ben is a 68-year-old regular participant of our Arsenal Bowls project, who has particularly loved being part of the scheme during a recent spell of rehabilitation. I first found out about the bowl sessions through Rose, my wife, who was already attending short mat bowls at the Arsenal Hub. I was aware of Arsenal in the community's work in the community as I used to work for Islington Education in schools and understood there were several outreach projects being offered to young people. I didn't need much persuasion as I was already playing at Finsbury Park Bowls Club. A few years ago, I had a major heart operation, and a key part of the rehabilitation was to exercise regularly. Arsenal Bowls was perfect for that. It's had a very positive effect on my health. The staff and players were very welcoming and friendly. It was also nice to see other age groups doing activities in the hub, all with a smile on their faces. I've got to know a few people through Bowls, and some have become very good friends. That's been so important, particularly in the light of the recent lockdowns. I appreciate more than ever what these sessions can do for my mental and physical health. More specifically, the staff have been extremely friendly and helpful, particularly Mark, the project lead. His link with Finsbury Park Bowls Club is particularly useful, as myself and quite a few of the Arsenal bowlers also play for them. There was also a significant grant from the Gunners Fund, without which the club would not have survived. You can talk to Mark about anything and he always listens. The community department also organise events and activities for us that are not necessarily bowls related. I find them all really enjoyable and of course every now and again we get a chance to see the Gunners. I feel part of the Arsenal Football Club by being part of this project, and I am a fan. But being part of the Bowls Club is much more than that. It's like being part of a family of like-minded people. What has surprised me the most is how we've all stuck together and supported each other, especially through the pandemic. A few of our bowlers are not really football fans, but when you ask them, they all feel part of Arsenal. It's kind of fun being part of a community. It's nice to have a sense of belonging. I'd encourage anybody to join who is looking for that kind of experience. It's just a good feeling. They'd get fitter and make new friends. Apart from the obvious health benefits, it's made me more sociable and more positive as a person. Mark Antoniewicz, project lead, says, 
Ben has been a welcomed addition to our bowling family with his enthusiasm and dedication. His lawn bowling experience has proved invaluable. Academy Young Gun Kamarini Ryan The Basics Born Hackney, 29th of the 1st, 06 Joined Arsenal, 17th of the 6th, 20 Position, left wing, centre attacking midfielder School, Epping St John's Squad number, 111 Rate yourself out of 100 Pace, 85 Dribbling, 88 Shooting, 95 Defending, 60 Physical, 70 I got into football when I was really young. I think my father noticed that I would kick things around the house, so he decided to get me a football, and that's how I first got the feel of playing the sport. Growing up, I looked up to players like Marcus Rashford. He's an electrifying talent, and he has that knack for beating his man and constantly being a danger in the box. In the future, I want to have a similar impact to him on the pitch by trying to implement what he does in matches and I have massive respect for what he does off the pitch too. My father eventually noticed that I was pretty talented for my age and signed me up for a team called Interwood FC, which is based in Wadham Lodge. It was perfect as they were very local to my house at the time. While playing for them, scouts would approach my dad, saying I was talented, and invite me to trials at academies. I had been at West Ham Development Centre and also had some time at Arsenal before I was officially offered an opportunity to play for Chelsea at under-9 level. When I was at school, I very rarely played for my school team because Chelsea didn't want me to get injured. If I did play, I would play two years up from my age, but the majority of the time it was up to the teachers to decide and they would say it wasn't worth the risk. I'd even hear stories that players would purposely target academy players during matches. I was at Chelsea until the end of the under-14 season. Towards the end of my time there, I picked up an injury and I was not in the team a lot. It was a difficult period for me because all I wanted to do was play, but injuries set me back and I lost my place in the team. The best move for my career was to leave Chelsea and have a fresh start. Fortunately for me, it would only be a six-week break until I ended up at Arsenal. People at the club already knew my dad from when the club had interest in me prior to signing for Chelsea. There were other clubs interested, but after weighing it all up, Arsenal was the right club for me, and I'm glad I made the right choice. When I joined Arsenal, I was naturally a little bit shy, because it was a new environment, but it got easier because I knew a lot of the boys from when I was younger, so everyone was friendly to me, and that allowed me to settle in quite easily. I played at Hale End for a couple of years, and then I got my scholar last year, which was a great feeling. During my time there, I improved my game in a lot of areas, and I worked so hard. All of my family and friends were extremely proud of me, but this was only the start of the journey as I now headed to London Colney. Going from Hale End to London Colney is a massive step up, because playing football is now our full-time job, whereas when we were at under-15 and under-16 at Hale End, we went to school for the day and then trained for two hours in the evenings. It's a professional environment, and it's more intense, as much more is demanded from you. It's challenging because we're mixed with older players, whether it be second-year scholars or the under-21s. 
However, I relish the opportunity, and being at such a great club drives me every day to be the best player I can be. I realise the opportunity I have, and I know how hard my family has worked, and that drives me every day in training. My family is everything to me, and I want to do it for them. It's encouraging to see guys like Reese, Eddie, Bacayo and Emil, who have completed the same journey as us, play first-team football consistently. It just goes to show that there is a pathway for us to make it in the first team, if we work hard and listen to our coaches. Working with Jack Wilshire has been an unreal experience so far. When we found out he was going to be our coach, we were all so excited because we have seen what he's done in his career. He's represented his country at the World Cup. He's played in big Champions League matches and he was such a talented player. We can learn so much from his experience. Personally, for me, I've been able to relate to Jack Wilshire really well as I'm going through an injury myself and he's encouraged me more than ever that it will get better. He's given me some great advice which helps me to overcome the tough injury setbacks. There have been some memorable highlights so far which includes scoring great goals for the under-17s and also making my under-18s debut, which was a brilliant moment for me and I am itching to get back. Another fantastic experience has been training with the first team. I've trained with them a few times and you automatically feel the difference as the tempo is at a higher level and they're so quick at understanding and reacting to certain situations. It's a real eye-opener and it's given me a great insight into how much more I need to work if I want to succeed at that level. My goal for the end of the season is to get back fit and fire goals for the under-18s. I'm working super hard to get back in the team and I've got so much to offer. Around the academy, Chelsea put to the sword by 18s. Jack Wilshere's under-18s produced a superb performance, thrashing Chelsea 4-1 on Saturday, February 18th. A brace from Amari Benjamin, alongside goals from Mikhail Rosiak and Jimmy Gower, sealed an impressive win away from home and moved us up to sixth in the under-18s Premier League. Benjamin, who also scored a hat-trick against Tottenham earlier in the season, highlighted the importance of the win. It was a really good performance from us today. We needed these three points because we've dropped some in the league recently, but I was glad we were able to turn it around today. I'm happy to score two goals to help the team win. I haven't scored in a few games, so it was nice to end the drought and it's always good to win a London derby against Chelsea. It was a superb way for the side to bounce back from a disappointing defeat to Brighton and Hove Albion. Head coach Wilshere emphasised that his squad is still on their development journey after the 3-1 away loss in the under-18s Premier League on Saturday, February 11th. Things looked good when Matthias Roberts opened the scoring after just 10 minutes with a fine left-footed strike, but the hosts replied with two set-piece goals before the break and their third came just after half-time. I thought we started the game okay, but then we gave away our goals very cheaply. After that, we didn't play well and the better team won, said Wilshere. This will be a good lesson for the boys. It will show them that if you don't apply yourself properly throughout the week in training and in the game, you'll lose. You can't expect to just turn up and win at this level, especially where the boys want to go. The levels are only going to get higher. Following the defeat, 
Wilshere said he hoped to see more energy and more commitment in the derby against Chelsea, which is exactly what he got. Meanwhile, Arsenal under-21's head coach Mehmet Ali remains confident of his side's progression, despite suffering a 2-0 away loss to Wolves in Premier League 2 on Monday, February 13th. Two first-half goals from the hosts condemned our under-21s to defeat, but Ali believes his side is learning vital lessons after each game. It was disappointing to give the goals that we gave away, which were individual errors that the boys will learn from, said Ali. Having said all of that, it's a good experience for some of our younger players in facing a resilient wolf side who made it difficult for us. It's up to us as a group of staff to pick the boys back up and to continue trusting the process which got us this far. Five days later, Ali's team put in a much-improved performance, which probably deserved three points, but they had to settle for a 1-1 draw with West Ham United at Meadow Park on Friday, February 17th. Joel Idaho's thunderous strike gave us a deserved lead just before the break, but the away side equalised late on from the penalty spot to deny us a win. Some of the football we played in the final third, and the bravery to get on the ball in certain areas, was at a very good level, said Ali. It's frustrating we didn't get over the line because I felt we had more than enough to win the game. When we're on top, we need to be more clinical with our chances, but fair play to West Ham. They hung on in there. Under 10s triumph. Congratulations to our under 10s, who recently returned from their trip to Toulouse as International Futsal Cup champions. The tournament included a variety of clubs, from professional futsal academies to professional football clubs, such as PSG, FC Porto, Marseille and Sporting Lisbon. Our run to the trophy saw us qualify in second place from the group stages, overcoming Marseille in the quarter-final. In the semi-final, we faced another French side in FC Nantes, who had beaten us in the initial group stages, but we got our revenge with an impressive win to book our place in the final. We came up against an undefeated FC Porto side in the final, but an excellent 12-minute performance from our strong young gunners saw us take home the 2023 International Futsal Cup crown as we beat the Portuguese side 3-1. The win marked their first international trophy as an age group, a fitting end as the young gunners were narrowly defeated just a week earlier at a Premier League futsal final at St George's Park. Big congratulations to all the players involved and to the head coach Jovan Brewster-Rouche and his staff, Darius St. Louis, Mitchell Gerber, Michael Hagen, Steve Fraser and Nahid Islam, who all played their part in the success. Academy lads pitching in. February 13th saw the Suffolk Estate football pitch in London Fields officially open. The pitch, just off Pownall Road, was in a state of disrepair and locked up for several years, but local funding has enabled all repairs to be complete which includes new floodlight fittings and an all-weather surface. The new facility will bring exciting opportunities for local children and give them a safe place to play the beautiful game. Arsenal in the community will deliver Premier League kick sessions there on Mondays and Tuesdays from 5 to 7pm. Arsenal under-18s players Tino Quimina and Khalil Green, alongside Arsenal women goalkeeper Kaylan Marquez, also attended the celebratory event and were in awe of the new facility. Marquez said, It was a heartwarming experience to see the community celebrate the opening of a pitch that represents Arsenal's mission to make football accessible for everyone. It was especially cool to see how much fun the local kids were already having on day one. Quamina, who is local to the area, said, It's a great place for children to play, 
it's important to have safe spaces like these in the heart of the community. The opening was also attended by the Mayor of Hackney, local councillors and residents. Supersession 16 lucky community participants from our Football Plus programme were invited to an exclusive training session at London Colney to take part in a number of drills and activities planned by 10 Arsenal Under-18 Academy players. The activation was to support the Academy players as they undertake part of their UEFA C coaching qualification, delivered by the PFA, and includes safeguarding and first aid workshops in addition to the planning and delivery of coaching sessions. It was a fantastic day all round, with a number of competitive matches taking place. The academy players got stuck in and enjoyed putting their tactics to the test. Alex Kovacevic, goalkeeper for Arsenal under-18s, said, It was really enjoyable. The boys trained really well and took in the information that was given to them. They showed all aspects of being a footballer and being a great teammate in terms of communication and competitiveness. Matt Henley, head of education at the academy, added, It was great to have the under-13s from Arsenal Plus with us at Colney for the final assessment of our under-18s UEFA-C coaching qualification. They were a credit to their coaches and it looked like they enjoyed the session. Arsenal Women Global Gunners Numerous Arsenal stars were on duty for their countries during international break last week. Leah Williamson once again captained England to trophy glory as the Lionesses won the Arnold Clark Cup for the second year running. The skipper bagged a brace in the final game against Belgium, popping up with a header and a drilled strike in the 6-1 win. Lot Ruben Moy also featured against the Red Devils and made some key interventions at the back during the Lionesses' 2-1 victory over Italy. Serena Weichmann's side remains unbeaten in 29 matches, fearsome form ahead of this summer's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Over in Australia, Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford's Matildas registered three victories to win the Cup of Nations. Catley played all three games for Australia, with Ford netting goals against Spain and Jamaica, her long-range effort against the latter being the pick of the bunch. In the She Believes Cup, despite an opening win over Japan, Rafael Souza's Brazil could not replicate the result against Canada and the United States. Our centre-back played the entire game against Japan, then featured as a second-half substitute against Canada and captained the side in a narrow loss to the USWNT, the eventual tournament winners. For Canada, Sabrina D'Angelo got her first start in the tournament against Japan, but our goalkeeper sustained an injury in the build-up to a goal and was subbed off after 30 minutes. The points were shared as Austria and the Netherlands met for two back-to-back friendlies. Manuela Zinsberger and Laura Weinrother's side triumphed 2-1 over the Dutch in the first game, with Victoria Pelova featuring throughout for the Netherlands. Pelova played another full 90 minutes in the following meeting, as the Dutch proceeded to get revenge in a 4-0 win. Neither Zinsberger nor Weinrotha made an appearance in the second clash. In Sweden's 4-1 friendly win over China, Stina Blackstenius played for over an hour and set up two goals for teammate Madeleine Janogi. 
During their follow-up match with Euro 2022 finalists Germany, Blackstenius played nearly the entire game for Sweden, but with nothing between the two sides, it ended goalless. Noel Maritz won her 100th cap for Switzerland during their double-headed friendly with Poland. Both matches ended in a draw, with Leah Valti donning the captain's armband. Frieda Manum and Norway faced France and Catherine Kuhl's Danish side in the Tournoi de France. Manum featured in every game, including 90 minutes in the goalless draw with hosts France and an hour-long spell against Uruguay. Kuhl also started all three clashes for Denmark, which saw them pick up wins over Norway and Uruguay and fall to a narrow 1-0 loss against France. Katie McCabe's Republic of Ireland played a behind-closed-doors friendly against Germany and finished their international break with a nil-nil draw with China. Conti Cup final this weekend. There's a huge game on the horizon for the Gunners. This Sunday we take on arch-rivals Chelsea in the Continental Cup final. The match takes place at Selhurst Park and has a 3pm kickoff. Tickets are still available and Jonas Eideval and his team would love as much support as possible to cheer us on our first silverware since 2019. Tickets are on sale through Crystal Palace's box office and there is a code to scan here in the programme. Liverpool next week. Our Conti Cup final appointment means the home fixture with Liverpool has been rescheduled for next Wednesday, March the 8th, at Meadow Park, 7.15pm kickoff. This match has sold out and tickets purchased for the previous fixture will remain valid for the new date. Ticket holders will be communicated with in due course. Bayern tickets available. Tickets are now on sale for our UEFA Women's Champions League quarter-final against Bayern Munich. The home leg will be played on Wednesday, March the 29th at Emirates Stadium, with the away leg taking place one week earlier at the Allianz Arena. Tickets are available via arsenal.com. Our supporters who purchase first will benefit from early bird pricing, saving them 25% on general admission tickets. For the first week of sales, adults will be able to purchase a general admission ticket for the discounted price of £9, after which the price will increase to £12. Early bird concessionary tickets are available for juniors aged under 16 years, supporters with disability access requirements and seniors aged 65 or over. Please note this game is not included in the Arsenal women's season ticket for Arsenal members, who took advantage of the exclusive six-game package. Fixtures and results. 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, WSL, 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL, 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL, 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, home, UCL 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United, home, WSL 3-1. 6th November, Leicester City, WSL 4-0. 19th November, Manchester United, Home, WSL, 2-3. 24th November, Juventus, UCL, 
3rd December, Everton, home, WSL, 1-0. 7th December, Juventus, home, UCL, 1-0. 11th December, Aston Villa, WSL, 4-1. 15th December, Lyon, home, UCL, 0-1. 21st December, FC Zurich, UCL, 9-1. 15th January, Chelsea, home, WSL, 1-1. 26th January, Aston Villa, home, CC, 3-0. 29th January, Leeds United, home, FAC, 9-0. 5th February, West Ham United, WSL, 0-0. 8th February, Manchester City, CC. 11th February, Manchester City, WSL. 26th February, Chelsea, FAWC. 5th March, Liverpool, home, WSL. 12th March, Reading, home, WSL. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. 2nd April, Manchester City, home, WSL. 23rd April, Manchester United, WSL. 30th April, Everton, WSL. 7th May, Leicester City, home, WSL. 21st May, Chelsea, WSL. 28th May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. To be arranged, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. To be arranged, Liverpool, home, WSL. Visitors, Everton, 30 years of the Premier League. Games, 1,175. Wins, 423. Losses, 426. Goals, 1,509. Goals conceded, 1,511. Seasons in the Premier League, 31. Highest position, 4th, 2004-05. Lowest position, 17th, 1993-94-2003-04. Finished in the top half, 15 times. Most appearances, Tim Howard, 354. Most goals, Romelu Lukaku, 68. When Everton last visited Emirates Stadium on the final day of last season, they were in a state of euphoria mixed with relief, having just beaten Crystal Palace 3-2 at home to ensure their continuing presence in the Premier League at the end of a season fraught with anxiety and stress. The fact that they were beaten 5-1 here by Arsenal was neither here nor there. All that mattered was survival, and confirmation of a 69th successive season in the English top flight. The hope among Evertonians is that they will not have to endure a similar ordeal this spring. But as they enter the last three months of the season, the Merseysiders still have plenty of work to do if they are to avoid involvement in another relegation scrap. They have been hovering in or around the drop zone all season and in January, after a 10-match winless run in all competitions while sitting 19th in the Premier League, manager Frank Lampard was sacked and subsequently replaced by Sean Dyke. No Arsenal fan needs reminding of what happened in the ex-Burnley boss's first game in charge on February 4th. James Tarkowski's header ending the Gunners' 13-match unbeaten run in the Premier League the Toffees' first victory since October. Although that was followed by a 2-0 defeat in the Merseyside derby, 
Everton also won their next game at Goodison Park 1-0 against Leeds to move out of the relegation places, but returned there with a 2-0 home defeat by Aston Villa on Saturday. Away from their boisterous home, Everton have won just once in the league all season, 2-1 at Southampton on October 1st. Since then, they have lost five and drawn two of their seven games on the road, scoring just one goal. A Damari Gray strike in a 1-1 draw at Manchester City. They have also been eliminated from both cup competitions in away fixtures during those past five months, losing 4-1 at Bournemouth in the Carabao Cup and 3-1 at Manchester United in the FA Cup. Everton might have employed a new manager in January, but they bought in no new players and sold star winger Anthony Gordon to Newcastle. However, there was ample investment last summer to offset the sale of star striker Rickarlison to Spurs, including Tarkowski and Dwight McNeil from relegated Burnley and Belgian midfielder Amadou Onana from Lille. There is enough quality in the Everton squad to see them to safety, but are they too good to go down? Only time will tell. The boss, Sean Dyke, manager, born 28th of June 1971. Kettering, previously Watford 2011-12, Burnley 2012-22. Everton appointed Sean as their new manager on January 30th, handing him a two and a half year deal. It was a welcome return to the Premier League for the 51-year-old former centre-back who had led Burnley from October 2012 to April 2022, becoming a legendary figure at Turf Moor as he established the Lancashire club in the top flight on a relative shoestring and took charge of 425 matches, the majority in the Premier League. The straight-talking East Midlander also masterminded two promotions and European qualification for the Clarets, his first managerial role having been a brief one at Watford in 2011-12. Number 1. The Shotstopper, Jordan Pickford, Goalkeeper, born Washington, 7th of March 1994. Previously, Sunderland, Darlington, Lone, Alfreton, Lone, Burton, Lone, Carlisle, Lone, Hull, Lone, Preston, Lone. Jordan established himself as England's first-choice goalkeeper at the 2018 World Cup and reaffirmed his place with a superb showing at Euro 2020, where he was arguably the three Lions' outstanding individual, before also starting all five games last year in Qatar. The charismatic, highly competitive 28-year-old joined Everton in 2017 following a £25 million move from relegated Sunderland and made his 200th Premier League appearance for the Toffees in the recent 1-0 home win against Arsenal. Number 23, the skipper, Seamus Coleman, defender. Born, Killy Beggs, Republic of Ireland, 11th of October 1988. Previously, Sligo Rovers, Blackpool, Lone. A living Goodison Park legend. 34-year-old Republic of Ireland international right-back Seamus has spent virtually his whole career with Everton, joining the club from League of Ireland side Sligo Rovers for a mere £60,000 in January 2009, becoming captain 10 years later and making his 400th appearance in all competitions for the club in the recent Merseyside derby at Anfield. 
His 401st was even more special as he scored a spectacular winner to give his team a 1-0 home win against Leeds. Number 17. The ex-gunner, Alex Iwobi, midfielder. Born Lagos, Nigeria, 3rd of May 1996. Previously Arsenal. Alex left Arsenal for Everton in 2019, signing a five-year deal with the Merseysiders. After struggling initially to make an impact at Goodison Park, the versatile attacking midfielder has become a fixture in the side, playing virtually every minute of the Toffees Premier League campaign this season. The Nigeria international, who was born in Lagos but brought up in Newham, joined the Gunners as schoolboy and went on to make 149 first-team appearances for the club, including 100 in the Premier League. Number 8. The Towering Presence Amadou Onana Midfielder Born Dakar, Senegal, 16th of August 2001 Previously Hoffenheim, Hamburg, Lille Everton's most expensive signing last summer at £33 million, Amadou has taken up near-permanent residence in the heart of the Merseysiders midfield. The six-foot-four Belgium international has been compared in some quarters to Paul Pogba, but it was his athletic box-to-box midfield play that most attracted him to Everton scouts during an impressive 2021-22 season in France's Liga 1 with Lille. Although born in Senegal, he grew up in Belgium and represented his country at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Number 19. The Ukrainian. Vitaly Mikolenko. Defender. Born. Cherkasse, Ukraine, 29th of May 1999. Previously, Dynamo Kiev. A Ukraine national teammate of Oleksandr Zinchenko, Vitaly has spent the past year furthering his career in the Premier League with Everton, where he arrived from Dynamo Kiev in January 2022, just before the Russian invasion of his country, and has now firmly established himself as the departed Lukas Digne's successor at left-back, starting every Premier League game this season. The 23-year-old has 28 caps for Ukraine, scoring one goal, and represented his country at Euro 2020. Number 11. The Enigma. Demari Gray, forward. Born Birmingham, 28th of June 1996. Previously, Birmingham, Leicester, Bayer Leverkusen. A teenage sensation with Birmingham City and a Premier League champion at the end of his first half season with Leicester, Demari eventually fell out of favour at the King Power Stadium and moved to German club Bayer Leverkusen in January 2021. However, his Bundesliga stint proved brief as he returned to England six months later to join Everton, where the 26-year-old winger has shown flashes of brilliance. One of his debut season highlights, a dramatic late winner at home to Arsenal. Number 2. New at the back, 1. James Tarkowski. Defender. Born Manchester, 19th of November 1992. Previously, Oldham. Brentford, Burnley. James joined Everton last July after coming to the end of his contract at relegated Burnley, where he had spent six seasons as a Premier League player under Sean Dyke, accumulating 219 appearances in all competitions and scoring seven goals. 
the native Mancunian's reputation as a tough, resolute centre-back earned him a couple of England caps in 2018, and he has featured in every minute of Everton's Premier League campaign to date. His first goal for his new club, the winner against Arsenal last month. Number 30. New at the back, 2. Connor Cody, defender, born Liverpool, 25th of February 1993. Previously, Liverpool, Sheffield United, Lone, Huddersfield, Wolves. Connor returned to his native Merseyside last summer when he joined Everton on a season-long loan from Wolves, where he missed just one Premier League game in four seasons and has chalked up more than 300 appearances overall. A 2010 European Under-17 champion with England, Connor came up through the Liverpool Academy but was unable to break through into the first team. Capped ten times by England, he was a non-playing member of Gareth Southgate's squad at both Euro 2020 and Qatar 2022. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images Arsenal need no introduction to Sean Dykes Everton having already played and been defeated by the former Burnley manager when he made his first appearance in the Everton dugout last month. Dyke's approach has been broadly what we would have expected, featuring good defensive organisation, long periods without the ball and a considerable threat from set pieces. Although regularly a 4-4-2 man at Burnley, Everton's lack of centre-forward options means he's used a 4-5-1 at Everton. The winner at Goodison Park last week came from two ex-Burnley players combining. Dwight McNeil's in-swinging cross to the far post was met perfectly by James Tarkowski to head home. Indeed, Tarkowski has arguably been Everton's major goal threat under Dyke. He nearly scored a similar effort in the derby at Liverpool, but his header hit the post and Liverpool immediately counter-attacked to score the opener. He also threatened in that manner in the 1-0 win over Leeds, always at the far post. Everton's defence has looked more solid under Dyke, with Tarkowski paired with Connor Cody in the middle of the back four. Cody, a fine passer of the ball, was accustomed to playing in a three-man defence at Wolves, but has largely adjusted well. They're flanked by captain Seamus Coleman, who scored an outstanding winner against Leeds from a tight angle, and has overlapped well. Vitali Mikolenko plays on the left and is also capable of pushing forward to good effect. Idrissa Goya has played the holding role under Dyke and sits deep to protect the centre-backs, while the other two central midfielders, Abadule Dukore and Amadou Onana, are given more licence to push forward, with and without the ball. They tend to press high without possession and Everton's defensive line has been more aggressive than you might expect under Dyke. Former Arsenal man Alex Iwobi excelled as a central midfielder under Frank Lampard, but has been pushed back out wide by Dyke. He started from the right in the reverse fixture with McNeil playing from the left, but Everton looked more dangerous on that occasion when they changed roles midway through the first half. The major question mark is up front. Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been troubled by injuries over the last 18 months, although he did offer a goal threat against Arsenal last month. In his absence, Dyke turned to youngster Ellis Sims, who enjoyed a good spell on loan at Sunderland earlier this season, although he struggled to get involved away at Liverpool 
and was replaced by Damari Gray, more of a winger. Then, for the contest against Leeds, Dyke turned to Neil Malpe, who has had some eventful matches against Arsenal back in his Brighton days. Malpe started in the number nine position in the defeat against Villa on Saturday, replaced by Sims with 15 minutes to go. Everton haven't got that position sorted, and they're unlikely to score many under Dyke. But with their defence looking solid, the wins over Arsenal and Leeds show that sometimes one goal will often be enough. Sticky trip for Toffees. Everton have won just one of their last 26 away games against Arsenal in the Premier League. Drawn four, lost 21. But their single victory during that period was a recent one. A 1-0 victory in April 2021. Courtesy of a bound Leno own goal following a Ricarlison shot. Match action. Arsenal versus Manchester City. Arsenal 1, Manchester City 3. Arsenal scorer. Saka. Penalty. 42nd minute. Manchester City scorers. De Bruyne. 24th minute. Grealish. 72nd minute. Haaland. 82nd minute. Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Emirates Stadium. Timeline. 24th minute. De Bruyne pounces on an under-hit back pass to open the scoring. 41st minute. Nekatire is fouled in the area by Edison. 42nd minute. Saka strokes home the penalty. 72nd minute. Grealish restores the lead for City. 82nd minute. Haaland completes the scoring from close range. Martin Odegaard. It was a good game between two good teams. An unbelievable atmosphere. It was nice to play in, but of course it was a frustrating result. I think we did a lot of good things, but in front of goal we weren't good enough. That's frustrating. But at the same time, we did a lot of good things, so we have to take those. Facts Bukayo Saka has scored all four penalties he's taken for us, with those coming against Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool and Manchester City. Manchester City had 36% possession, their lowest in the Premier League under Pep Guardiola. This was our first league defeat at the Emirates this season. Match action. Premier League, Saturday, February 25th, 2023. 3pm, King Power Stadium. Leicester City nil. Arsenal 1. Martinelli, 46. Timeline. First minute. Odegaard shoots over from the edge of the box. 26. Trossard smacks his shot into the top corner, but the goal is ruled out after VAR replays. 46. Martinelli scores after a fantastic Trossard pass. 72. Leicester's only shot of the game goes just wide. Gabriel Martinelli. I think we need to keep going and be patient when we get in the final third. We did it today. We got the goal and the win as well. It was a good goal, a beautiful goal. It was a great ball from Leo and I just put it in the back of the net. It was a good goal. Facts. This was our 10th Premier League away win this season, more than we managed in the whole of 2021-22. We restricted Leicester to just one shot 
their lowest on record since 2003-04 for a single Premier League game. Gabriel Martinelli's opener was just the second time we have scored in the opening minute of the second half of an away Premier League game, after Paul Merson's strike at QPR in April 1994. Match action. Aston Villa 2, Arsenal 4. Aston Villa scorers. Watkins, 5th minute. Coutinho, 31st minute. Arsenal scorers. Saka, 16th minute. Zinchenko, 61st minute. Martinez, own goal, 93rd minute. Martinelli, 96th minute. Saturday, February 18th, 2023. Villa Park. Timeline. 5th minute. Watkins fires home the opener. 16th minute. Saka lashes into the roof of the net. 31st minute. Coutinho finishes a good team move to restore Villa's lead. 61st minute. Zinchenko cracks home left-footed from 20 yards. 93rd minute. Jorginho's long-range shot hits the bar, then Martinez before going in. 96th minute. Martinelli scores a breakaway fourth after Martinez went up for a corner. Alex Zinchenko. The manager said the right words at half-time. What we need to do on the pitch in the second half. Everyone wanted to get back out onto the pitch as soon as possible. We went out of the door even before the whistle. That was a good reaction from all of us. Nobody went down. Everyone wanted to get the ball, show courage to win the game, and we showed it in the second half. Facts This was our 14th Premier League away win against Aston Villa, our joint most against a team in the Premier League with West Ham. Alex Zinchenko is our 13th different Premier League scorer this season excluding own goals. Martin Odegaard created seven chances, the most in a Premier League game for us by a single player since Mesut Ozil created eight against Newcastle in 2017. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel Magalhães. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Gabriel Jesus. 10. Emil Smith-Rowe. 11. Gabriel Martinelli. 12. William Saliba. 14. Edian Cantier. 15. Jakob Kivia. 16. Rob Holding. 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu. 19. Leandro Trossard. 20. Giorgino. 21. Fabio Vieira. 24. Rhys Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper. 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper. 34. Granite Sharker. 35. Alexandra Zinchenko. 83. Ethan Nwaneri. For Everton, manager, Sean Deitch. Shirt, blue. Shorts, blue. Socks, blue. 1. Jordan Pickford, goalkeeper. 2. James Tarkowski. 3. Nathan Patterson. 
4. Mason Holgate 5. Michael Keane 7. Dwight McNeil 8. Amadou Anana 9. Dominic Calvert-Lewin 11. Demari Gray 13. Yerry Mina 14. Andros Townsend 15. Asmir Begovic, goalkeeper 16. Abadoule Ducouri 17. Alexei Werby 19. Vitali Mikalenko 20. Neil Mopé 22. Ben Godfrey 23. Seamus Coleman 26. Tom Davis 27. Idrissa Gouet 29. Ruben Vinagre 30. Connor Cody 31. Andy Lonigan, goalkeeper 37. James Garner 50. Ellis Sims Referee, Michael Oliver Assistant Referees, Stuart Burt Simon Bennett Fourth Official, David Coote VAR Official, Tony Harrington Additional VAR Official, James Mannering Also playing today Liverpool vs Wolverhampton Wanderers at 8pm No room for racism The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport Adidas.com slash Arsenal Arsenal Where we belong. Premier League. 30 years of stories. 30 years of lungs busting. Nets bulging. Audacious goals. Outrageous flicks. Academy breakthroughs. Legends return. 30 years of gasps, groans, chants. Full-time cheers, full-time tears, saying we were there. But that's not all. The game is just the start. 30 years of supporting communities. 30 years of investing in the wider game. 30 years of thrilling football. Made possible by 30 years of your support. Premier League. Adidas, Arsenal New 22-23 third kit Available now at the Armoury and ArsenalDirect.com deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market